This is Joya Italiano. This is Jeff Ekman. And welcome to Oh, That's a Thing, a podcast about the real science and sci-fi movies. Even if you haven't seen the movie, don't worry. We use the movies as jumping off points for some pretty awesome and real topics. That's right. We're not experts at all. We're actually just a couple of goons who Googled some stuff. But this stuff is pretty cool. Yeah, so sit back, relax, maybe learn a thing or two. Here we go. Here we go. Speechless. I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't know what to say. I was like, oh, I'm gonna come I up love, with something like, quippy. It's always on you to like kick it off with like some kind of quippy volcano right. re- reference to the title or we, something. We and... clink on my side of the table, and so once that happens, then I have to be like, hey, it's gotta do. But then I was just thinking, I was like, this movie's ridiculous, yeah. and that's all that came to mind. 1997's Volcano, starring Tommy Lee Jones. Mm-hmm. Let's listen to the trailer. Do it. There are at least 1,500 active volcanoes in the world that we know about and at least one that we don't welcome to Los Angeles you know where you are you're in the jungle baby you're gonna die that The trailer is really hard to discern. Something is toast. The blank. The The coast. The coast coast is is toast. toast. Oh my god, that's the tagline. Oh man, we had to. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that fucking trailer so. is just like there's a volcano coming it's in LA action action yeah. action 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 do, 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 do. oh man the coast is toast <sighs> juice is loose the coast ju- is toast <laughs> hostess mostess hostess mostess oh my goodness <clears throat> gracious me so I had never seen this movie before you had right I watched it like 10 times in 1997 right. I like loved this movie mm-hmm. I was a big disaster movie fan in the 90s and stuff the director of this movie recently directed the HBO movie Temple Grandin, which won tons of awards. Oh, like, really? You wouldn't I've never expect even heard of it. Claire Danes played Temple Grandin, who had autism and like had an incredible life where she wound up becoming a spokesperson for autism itself. And like it's an incredible HBO movie. And previously he had done Volcano. I know. Like what? I mean, it is wild because it's like you can't judge a person's whole body of work based on what they did in 97 it was no, a no. funky year who i don't know how old this person was but this movie was bad news yes well the writer went on to write the hunger games and captain phillips which i think is a really well-written movie so maybe this was just like a teaching moment for all like what went wrong i didn't so yeah. generally i look into it like oh man here's what went wrong but i got kind of wrapped up in imdb just being like now very unrealistic portrails of right. a volcano. In the movie, magma rises through the San Andreas Fault and hits Los Angeles. But already they were saying they're like, the San Andreas Fault is a transform boundary, which means that the plates move past each other instead of just like opening and like spewing forth magma. Right, right. But then also they point out that the San Andreas Fault passes through Palmdale, which is over 35 miles northwest of Los Angeles. But in the movie, they're like 11 miles away. Like even in the movie, they're <laughs> yeah. like, we know this isn't here, but it's 11 miles. It's close. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's adjacent. Right. Well, actually, yeah, because like I'm going to talk a little bit later about the types of tectonic plate movements that wind up with volcanoes, and I know that that type, the type that we're dealing with, is not going to lead to a volcano. Sure, totally. Oh, I saw another funny... So during the first tremor in the movie, there's a blackout and everything goes dark, but that also includes the car headlights, which are not attached Wait, to the what? grid. Wait, <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. I didn't even know 
I feel oh, like we would have known. Oh, that's a great detail. Oh, man. Being like, literally, cloak <laughs> Every of single light went out. <laughs> no lights, no other lights. I mean, I know they didn't have cell phones back then, but those would be a lit, I'm sure. <laughs> I read that the lava was primarily made of methyl cellulose, which is the thickening agent in fast food milkshakes. Oh, that's Very, cool. Very uh, frothy, milkshakey yeah. lava. And then I, the ash was made mostly of ground newspaper. And I I had seen yeah. that before, like, as we're watching. And I was like, yeah, it does look like it looks- it's like in everybody's hair. Yeah, and, yeah. Know. I love, like, I saw uh, Roger Ebert had some quote about, like, his favorite shitty element of this movie was that the firefighters were all pushing the water into the center of the lava flow instead of at its edge where it would make sense to. And he was like, right. and this makes perfect sense because the lava is a visual effect and it's not really there and the people couldn't actually know where to oh, put the sure. things. He's yeah, just yeah. like, it's not good, It's like the fighting, movie. It's like fighting with a CG alien and exactly. being like, ah, I don't know where to look. Yeah, and it was like too early to do it right. Well, I don't yeah, know. well then also I saw that, well, because, okay, so clearly lava is way, way hotter than they portray in the movie. Like people right. are basically like 15 feet away from the lava. And well, it's there's like, a part of the movie where like they're literally on a subway car, which is made of metal and underneath the entire subway car is lava. Like oh, it's yeah. like gone underneath and there's like <laughs> totally. fire all around them. And it's like, it's a metal cage. Right. Like inside of this would be thousands of degrees. Totally. <laughs> and you would be roasted like mm-hmm. any other kind of meat that you put into an oven. Exactly. Because lava I was reading is like between 1300 or 2200 degrees degrees obviously depending on the type of lava i mean even with like how hot that is would have melted the roads it would have gone past the boiling point for asphalt and ignited its petroleum base so literally it would just be like on fire obviously for the purposes of a movie that's fine but it's like the helicopters are flying around and yeah they're dispersing the water Mm -hmm. they're saying that it would have been so hot that the water would have completely like vaporized by the time it even hit the ground that makes sense (laughs) well like i actually looked into what would happen if you jumped into lava because like there's a guy who goes and he he's like carrying the passed out train conductor on his shoulders and he like jumps into lava because he can't make it past the lava right and then he Mm -hmm. throws the guy into safety and then he like sinks into the lava (laughs) like quicksand style yeah exactly oh very t-1000 and this couldn't happen because lava is much more viscous than water and it works more like rock where you'll float on top because you're much less dense than the lava. Right. So what would actually happen is you would jump on and then you would float on top like as though it was solid rock, but then you you would burst into flames. Oh, really? Because it's that hot. It's that fucking hot. It's literally six times hotter than your oven can get. Right. And, you know, like if paper burns at 451 degrees. and like. Oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah. And so the way it's depicted in a lot of movies, whether it's like Lord of the rings where golems falling into the fires of Mordor and stuff is like you would have to be a Terminator in order to actually sink into the lava like in Terminator. Right. Get it right. So just because it looks liquidy doesn't mean that you would float in it like a liquid. Right. Exactly. Because of the density situation. That's interesting. And I also read a little bit about like burns on the body and if you wind up with third degree burns on more than 30% of your body surface it's extremely likely that you're going to die. Is that from infection? I actually don't know why. No it's because your skin holds most of the moisture in your body and with burns like that all the liquid you're carrying will evaporate faster than you can replenish it fuck oh i didn't realize that so a lot of what you need to do with severe burns over most of your body is like get iv liquids as fast as possible and like in very specific circumstances including skin grafts and stuff like that if you're in a hospital you can survive Mm. but it's really hard because 
you just can't keep the water that you're drinking as fast as you can drink it. Right. I didn't think about it in those mm-hmm. terms. Mm-hmm. Well, and I was reading that the flow, the lava flow that hit Herculaneum, which was the first before Pompeii. Oh, yeah. Basically, that was like the lava, I think, was somewhere around 500 degrees, which was enough to boil brains and vaporize flesh. Whoa. But then the later wave that hit Pompeii cooked the people's flesh, but left their bodies intact. And then they were preserved by the volcanic ash. That's which where is Pompeii. Why. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is nuts. And I just, I mean, because there was so many random awesome volcano facts that I found, <laughs> I didn't get to really focus on Pompeii. But like when I studied abroad in Italy, I went there and it's just insane to think about this whole like civilization of people that were just like there is literally nothing we can do it's that hot and just buried the city i know it's fucking nuts and i read that vesuvius also erupted and killed a lot of people in the 1600s as well Mm. and so like it's like can you imagine if there was still an oral tradition of like you know thousands of years ago apparently that thing blew up and then it's doing it again right we don't understand why and it's interesting to say that because one of the main things i wanted to look at is like the first depictions of volcanoes in our culture. And, yeah. you know, of course, with many traditions, there's the the oral tradition and the story. So mm. clearly it's difficult to say when the very first story ever happened or like the first acknowledgement of volcanoes took place. But it's cool between like cave drawings and this and that and the other. Yeah, yeah. And, and then to also think about like how it really changed the landscape. It's not, mm-hmm. it's sort of like that butterfly effect that it fucks up the climate and then, you know, creates all these other pandemics and all this stuff too. Yeah. I even read about a volcano that erupted just in the mid-90s, which proved that that one volcano can cover the entire Earth's surface in sulfuric acid. Oh, yeah. And it actually did this and managed to make it like all the way around the equator and to the poles as well. And we it actually cooled the Earth by like a degree Fahrenheit, which is like insane for it to be able to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, okay, so in the movie, the lava is basically, it's sort of like an adult envisioning of a childhood game of like stay away from the lava you know the floor is lava yeah it's only if you touch the lava that it will hurt you but in reality (laughs) that's not at all the only case it's like not only is the like you know falling into it or just the heat there's also poisonous gases there's volcanic smog or vog apparently is what that's called i don't know that could also kill you can we vlog about vog let's vog vlog let's cut that no let's not Let's talk about how volcanoes form in the first place. Yeah. So with the Earth's crust, we know that there are tectonic plates that all move around incredibly slowly. And when these plates collide or slide against one another, we can get earthquakes. Mm -hmm. The plates are all sitting on an enormous layer of solid magma called the mantle. And it's almost always solid because the pressures that exist under the Earth's crust. Okay. So I always thought of the mantle as being like this liquid magma thing, uh-huh. but actually it turns out most of the time it's in a solid and, state. And you said that's because of the forces underneath? Yeah, like uh-huh. the insane pressures that exist under the Earth's crust. Gotcha. In the mantle, when the r- solid rock changes to a liquid because of intense heat, it becomes less dense than the surrounding rock. Mm-hmm. So the difference in density pushes the magma upward really fast, not unlike helium in a balloon or an air bubble underwater. Okay. Then, usually at some point on its way upward, the magma reaches a point where the upward pressure that it has is less than the downward pressure from the rock above. Mm -hmm. So it starts to pool right below the surface. And then it starts to build pressure and pressure and pressure as more magma comes into this magma chamber. And then when it rises enough, it can crack open the Earth's crust and molten rock spews out onto the Earth's surface. Right. So it's like there's like a two-step process where the 
mantle becomes magma and then the magma goes up near the surface and then it pools to become an extreme thing and then it explodes out of the surface. Okay, that's interesting because one of the tidbits that I found is that there are three types of volcanic eruptions mm-hmm. as well. There's like there's magmatic eruptions, which is involves the decompression of gas within magma that is what propels it forward. Okay. Then I read something about phreatic eruptions, which are driven by the heat from magma creating superheated steam. Yeah. And then phreatomagmatic eruptions, which are caused by the interaction of water and magma. So even just to look at the nuance within that, as opposed to what it looks like to me, which is just lava spewing exactly. from, from the crest. And like magma, once it reaches the Earth's surface, becomes known as lava. If you were wondering the difference between magma oh, and lava. magma above ground, you say? Okay. Magma above ground becomes lava. lava. It's the same kind of thing as like meteors and meteorites. Meteorites is once they've gotcha. landed on the Earth and it's just like so a technical name. <laughs> what's in my lava lamp? That is lava because okay. it's reached the Earth's surface. It's not magma. Actually, I don't know that it is magma. I no, got to look at the lava It's some altogether lamps. different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what is that goo? Total. We'll, we'll search that in the future. Cool. Okay. <laughs> really, <laughs> like, really quick. He goes tinkling away. Um, yeah, what the, the lamp consists of a bolus of a special colored wax mixture inside a glass vessel. Oh. The remainder of which contains clear or translucent liquid, and then it, like, moves around the wax within a warmed That's environment. exactly what it looks like, and I fucking love every minute <laughs> yeah, of yeah. it. Yeah, Lava lamps. <laughs> but where, where were we? Well, as far as, like, containing a volcanic eruption is mm-hmm. concerned... It depends on the type of volcano. There's something called a pyroclastic flow, which is literally unstoppable. Yeah. Did you read about this? Is that well, yeah, that's basically like the magma shit mixed with like tephra. There's something called tephra. Yeah, I've read okay. about tephra, yeah. Yikarons. It, it just makes it so that like no matter what you do, like you can't stop this from moving. There's no directing the lava flow and there's no slowing it down. Well, because this reminds me of the volcanic explosivity index, Ooh, which I read about. That this was good. yeah, this was created in nineteen eighty two and it quantifies the strength of volcanic eruptions by measuring the volume of pyroclastic material spewed by a volcano, including volcanic ash, tephra, which is fragments of volcanic rock and lava, pyroclastic flows, which are fast-moving currents of gas and tephra, and then other debris. So the height and duration of the eruption are also factored in, and it's similar to the Twister episode we were talking about how to scale that. There's The scale ranges from one to eight, and each step indicates a tenfold increase of ejecta, which Uh specifically (laughs) refers to basically volcano ejaculate. Like, it's specifically volcanoes. It's not like anything that's ejected. Is ejecta? Stuntman from a cannon is not ejecta. (laughs) Only if it's the actual stuff. Correct, correct. Now, there hasn't been a VEI-8 eruption, so eight is the highest scale within the past 10,000 years. Oh, we're probably overdue. We're hey, pretty, yeah. <laughs> totally. Well, in the early 1970s, there was an Icelandic eruption that threatened to close off and destroy a harbor. And this is different from the pyroclastic flow. Mm. It may have actually been bad enough to lead to a permanent evacuation of the area. Mm-hmm. It was like the small island off of Iceland. And they were going to have to like be like, we can never go back there. Right. <laughs> what they managed to do was they pumped millions and millions of gallons of seawater onto the lava flow. They stopped it just 100 meters shy of it closing off the harbor. Wow. 
So How did they pump it up? It was over a couple of months because okay. they first evacuated the place and got everybody out. There was like this weird scenario where like because of a weather situation, like all the boats were in the harbor when this volcano started to erupt. Gotcha. And so it actually made it way easy for this big evacuation. Right. They're like, you guys are already in there. We're Just already in the out, boats. The yeah. <laughs> Let's get the fuck out. Yeah. But because it happens over like two months that this was like flowing down and they knew that this was going to happen, they, they first started by like, I think through piping managed to get a test amount of seawater and threw it onto the thing and it slowed it enough more than they expected that they wound up like tripling down on their efforts and building it as fast as they could and, and managing to stop this like just in time. That's crazy. Yeah, they made like a really quick reference to this in the movie because at one point they dump a huge amount of water on the lava flow, which you mentioned mm-hmm. that's like in Wilshire Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. And Anne Hage is like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Didn't they that say at the, the end they were like, like part of it. it's a miracle on the miracle mile? Oh, right. it was something okay, really stupid like, like that. Fuck you. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> but Anne Hage basically has some line like, it's like what they did in Iceland. And I was right. like, what is that? And it yeah. actually took me a while to figure like it out. Somebody on the, on the movie was like, I read a article uh, this happened once i don't know but yeah i can't believe because usually people just have to get the fuck out of the way right but in this case they were able to slow it they were able to combat it okay so i read that i have i've heard of the ring of fire but i didn't really know exactly what it referred to but this is that's like a region of the earth right right? totally i mean i just thought it was a johnny cash song (laughs) but it's actually the most volatile area on earth it's located at the rim of the pacific basin Mm. with the pacific rim is that about that yeah i think that must be where they yeah (laughs) but it apparently spans around twenty-five thousand miles and it's this nearly continuous chain of oceanic trenches and it's home to 75 percent of the world's volcanic activity there's around 452 volcanoes active and dormant 90 percent of the world's earthquakes and 22 of the 25 biggest volcanic eruptions in the last 11,700 years (laughs) which yeah i'm like 11,700 i know it's very specific (laughs) that was when the records began i don't think so (laughs) yeah totally so like i didn't know this place have you have you heard of such i've heard of the ring of fire i i yeah it's like a yeah it's like a circular area oh, yes. of just ring of volcanic volcanoes. fire. <laughs> yeah. Well, because with all that stuff with the plate tectonics, let's go back and talk about earthquakes for a minute. Oh yeah. Because uh, there are different ways that the tectonic plates interact, and there are like different formations and structures that arise from that. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when plates push against each other, one will slide underneath the other and push downward, which creates an enormous ditch on the Earth's surface, usually in the oceans, kind of like at the Mariana Trench. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. When one plate slides on top of the other, it pushes upwards, which creates mountains. And that's like literally like one plate shoving itself on top of the other. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. And it drives up. The, that's like where the Himalayas are right. and everything like that. That's... That actually, when it creates mountains, does not have a likelihood of ever creating a volcano. It's like these other different interactions that it has that will create a, a volcano. Gotcha. So, I mean, because one of the things about this movie that's so ridiculous is it's like a volcano in LA. Right. But it's like, but knowing that there is at least a correlation between earthquakes and volcanoes, like, is it that outrageous? It is because of the way that our plate tectonics interact uh-huh. with each other over here. And is specifically, like, like, the San Andreas Fault mm-hmm, just is just not, not going to cause a magma pocket to come up underneath. Okay. That's, gotcha. It's just not going to happen like that. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, but what happens here is, like, when the tectonic plates slide along one another, the rough bits of the plate can catch on each other 
and then they build up an insane amount of pressure before it finally releases in a gigantic shove, which causes the plate under the ground to move a lot very quickly, and that release is what causes the earthquake. Gotcha. So I often talk about the inevitable earthquake that we're going to experience. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I just want to back that up with some numbers. (laughs) Apparently, in the L.A. area, the likelihood of a 7.5 earthquake or higher occurring in the next 30 years is 31%, Mm -hmm. which, as my brother likes to point out whenever that number comes up, is the same chance that they gave Trump to win. Right, which that happened. (laughs) So 30% chance is likely. Yeah. The likelihood of a 6.7 earthquake, which is still really bad, but obviously not nearly as bad as a 7.5, in the next 30 years is 60%. Sure. So twice as likely. And the San Francisco Bay Area is in even more danger. Mm -hmm. And as the pressure continues to build in the tectonic plates, the likelihood increases. We haven't had a major quake in a really long time, and we're way overdue. A big one in L.A. may kill as many as 1,800 people. Right. And that's not just from like falling debris or building collapses, but from car crashes and fires that start in the aftermath. Right. That's I mean, I've, I've always been more concerned mm-hmm. with the aftermath than the thing. I mean, it's you know, it's like there's it, it's part of code that they have to retrofit buildings and right, stuff to right. be able to withstand the quakes. But I always have these dark fantasies about being on the highway. We've talked about this a million times about being like, what the fuck would happen right. when I'm under a bridge, especially, oh my God, when I'm under the overpass, mm-hmm, the 405, mm-hmm. I'm there like waiting at a light being like, God, <laughs> damn it. Then I'm, don't let it happen now. squished. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So totally. Well, I, I looked I into like him. what happens if you're on a subway and there are a bunch of like weird specific things involving the way that subways are built to make sure that they don't have collapses and train conductors like if there's a scenario where there is a collapse then they'll go through and try to get people to evacuate go to the nearest station and stuff like that but they're surprisingly a safe place to be Mm -hmm. what i was okay with this whole la earthquake thing i don't like to be a fatalist about it but when there's something like that looming Getting yourself an earthquake kit off of Amazon or just generally being aware of what to do isn't really doomsday prepping. I feel no, like. I mean, so it's just being, is... you know, it's you're not a conspiracy theorist for being like, yo, there's going to become like an actual right. emergency situation potentially. I mean, right. who, who knows? I mean, maybe L.A. will be so well equipped because we know how delightful our infrastructure is here. Right? You know what right. I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. of course, there's going to be chaos mm-hmm. and pandemonium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just I think. You know, finding that place where you're like, okay, it could be 29 years from now or it could be five minutes from now. And am I going to live my life in fear? No, I'm not. I'm just going to be like kind of aware and at least have like a somewhat exit strategy to figure out. I don't I don't worry myself about like, what do I do if a nuclear bomb drops? Like, but what to do in the case of an earthquake, I think is like, I should have that knowledge in my head. It's very much within our lifetime (laughs) that it's like the old Northridge earthquake, Mm -hmm. like that people were are. Still pretty young that experienced yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So be prepared. Get your kits. Get your kits. All right. One of the wonderful things about this show is the random dives that we end up in. Mm-hmm, so I was mm-hmm. just searching. I think I was, was searching for just like fun volcano facts. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. And I stumbled upon an article in Smithsonian Mag called That Time a German Prince Built an Artificial Volcano. So I was like, oh, boy, sign me up. Bada bing. Let's go. A German prince. Yeah. I didn't know they had royalty in there. Uh, back back far enough. They sure did. This refers to the Stone Island of Warlitz, And it's actually a UNESCO World Heritage Site about an hour drive south of Berlin. It was condemned in 1983, but in 2004, the World Heritage Foundation turned to Wolfgang Spira, Hmm. who was a chemistry professor with a penchant for volcanoes, 
They want they wanted him to try to figure out how to bring it back to life. <laughs> what is a penchant for volcanoes? I, I wonder. Well, <laughs> he signs his emails the eruptor. Uh, gotcha. He okay. is a, that's a penchant for volcanoes. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, he's he actually spent a decade as the head of Berlin's criminology lab, but I guess he's just a volcano aficionado. Yeah, all right. And he had this to say: "Quote: A volcano that can't explode is a very sad volcano, <laughs> and I wanted to make it happy again. We wanted to help the volcano get its identity back." What? <laughs> Volcano got, got his groove back. back. Yeah. <laughs> so, so already I'm hooked. I'm like, tell me more, yeah. Spira. So he did some digging and he found information that led him back to Leopold III Friedrich Franz, who was the prince and archduke of Anhalt-Dessau. He was born in 1740. Now, in his mid-20s, he went on a grand tour of Europe, which included Naples, where he was captivated by Mount Vesuvius and the recent discovery of Pompeii. Mm. So much so that 22 years later, he comes up with the idea to erect Europe's only artificial volcano, specifically like in Germany, which is super flat, apparently. Never been, but so so I hear. (laughs) Quote, he saw himself as obliged to enlighten his subjects, and he saw this as a lesson for people who would never get to Naples. So it was some coastal elite bullshit trying to bring volcanoes Br- to the yeah, to the, to the pedestrians. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I like it's like what was this like the volcano that's outside the Mirage Hotel in Vegas that I erupts mean, every twenty minutes? To- it's like it sounds like a really cool house party, yeah. parlor trick scenario. Totally. But anyway, so he completed this thing in 1794, and he how had- much baking soda did he use? <laughs> totally. <laughs> so he had his architects build this brick inner building about five stories high, and they covered it with local boulders. And at the top, there was this hollow cone that housed a high-ceilinged chamber with three fireplaces. Hmm. Now, the roof includes an artificial crater that could also be filled with water. Also nearby, Franz built this Greek-style amphitheater in a small villa to serve as his own personal study, and he flooded the corner of his estate to surround the stone island with water. So according to historical accounts, he just like invited his friends over to watch his personal volcano, which sounds... This sounds like the original... Yeah, very sexy. Watch my personal volcano erupt. Yeah, just... Yeah. The level of ostentatiousness in his Absolutely. design sounds a little and bit over the top. And especially like having visited the countrysides of Europe right. to be like, mm, I must bring this to the German folks. Well now, okay, so with regard to this personal volcano erupting, only one painting of the volcano's eruption from 1794 exists. Whoa. So then Franz later died in 1820. His son had no interest in it. And his, <laughs> his quote unquote garden realm was preserved after his death. But over the next 150 years or so, volcano was obviously neglected. After World War II, the area became part of East Germany and the volcano fell into further ruin. And then East German authorities finally condemned it at 83 after it, you know, part of it had collapsed and killed somebody. Oh, man. So it was sitting in disrepair since 1983, then jumped to 2004 with the Spira guy who wants to make the volcano happy again, get its groove back. He tries to... He's trying to get a fake volcano's groove back. Totally. You're not a washed-up has-been <laughs> volcano. You'll be a real volcano. So so then to recreate it, Spira and his goons needed to figure out if it was realistic, if mm-hmm. it was actually a depiction of what happened, or if it was just fantasy. And then ironically, the most important clues came from a critic at the time of the volcano named Carl August Bettinger. I don't know. He wrote an eyewitness report in 1797 making fun of the spectacle, mm-hmm. of just like, 
this fucking guy with yeah, a volcano in right. the middle of his place. What a bozo. <laughs> but he ended up like describing the eruption in detail from the water released from the concealed crater at the top of the volcano to simulate lava to the red lamps that gave the pile of stone an otherworldly glow. So it's wow. like that era's John Stewart is basically being like, so this is actually one one down. Yeah. Total fuck <laughs> That's great. So then Spira. Wait, wait, yeah, sorry. go ahead, please. I, one thing I love about this story is like the idea that like the kid, the guy's kid couldn't give a shit about it. It's like, oh, yeah. what am I going to do with dad's old train set? <laughs> yeah, like, totally. what are we, are we going to leave that up? Like I his mean, model home of the, yeah. the city? Like yeah. he spent well, his life on that. Plus his heart, he has so many cuckoo clocks. I don't know. <laughs> what am I going to do with all this shit? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And then, so so then Spira and his guys, they started researching what they might have used for fireworks back mm. in the day. Okay. But th- So there was like gunpowder, pitch, and sulfur that were available to 18th century pyrotechnicians. Wow. There was something called Bengal fire, which was like a bright blue or red flame. It's kind of like a like road flares from today. Okay. So they kind of, they pieced it together and they eventually brought it back to life. And since 2005... Back. They've been, what did you say? It's got its groove back. Oh, yeah, it got its fucking groove back. And in this case, the groove is that in the 86-foot crater at the top of the volcano, like in the peak, they fill it with pine needles. Hmm. They light it on fire, which sends sparks and smoke into the air. uh So the flames flicker at the top of the volcano, and then it grows into a column of smoke. And then there's red-tinged water that begins to flow from the crater, which churns the lake below and then explosions send sparks in the into the sky but for the purpose of like recreating this whole thing the the students of this spira guy they run around in gas masks from fireplace to fireplace and they squirt lighter fluid in it and they toss like special powder to create this smoke Whoa. that pours out from underneath the summit of the volcano so like right now it's like a total spectacle we don't know exactly if this is right on what happened then but uh-huh. it sounds like it was just a really cool fucking light show at a guy's house party I like this as like an early stage of the nature documentary yeah. where it's like somebody saw this crazy thing and was like people need to know about this right. like other places in this world are crazy right like how do I show them that I don't have a camera or TV yeah that combined with it being like his personal estate right. and being like and I'm going to create a moat right. and over here the amphitheater well I'll, sh- I'll show all of these right lemmings the, yeah the I mean arts. there are homes that have been turned into museums but this seems like a next level oh yeah a next level move well, and then the fact that they do it fucking every year so yeah like since yeah. the volcano came back to life in 2005 they've staged like a dozen eruptions roughly once a year and never on the same dates and mm. the year that this article was written was on the anniversary of the AD 79 Vesuvius eruption yeah. and they won't say when the next eruption will be because they you know when asked they say would you would ask you? a volcano when it's gonna go <laughs> I was, off I was about to say you're like but it's not a real fucking volcano we know well, when the 4th of July only- fireworks are going off not only that there are measurements that people make of active volcanoes where they can get a sense of like this may erupt in the next w- couple weeks. Right. Like shit's moving and changing. Volcanology didn't didn't like evolve because of going to a volcano being like, what are you gonna erupt, fella? <laughs> yeah. Some other evidence. I love that. <laughs> so in the movie, uh, the volcano's center is at the La Brea tar pits. Oh yeah. Which is in the center of Los Angeles. There's a place where natural asphalt or tar has bubbled up from under the ground since the last ice age. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, yeah, it's like the main spot for the volcanic eruption because I guess why not? Why not? It's it makes like sense. a thing coming from underground. Yeah. 
In reality, the tar trapped all kinds of animals over the years, making fossils out of all sorts of things, ranging from bees to mammoths. Oh, yeah. Have you ever been? I haven't. Oh, man. Oh, God. I've been there a couple of times. And it's, I mean, it's it's not as cool as you might hope. Yeah. But it's fucking awesome to just think that, like, well, first of all, they're still actively going through a lot right, of the pits yeah. and, like, you know, categorizing these species. Mm-hmm. But I would also think, like, as a little kid growing up in L.A., they've got, like, the mammoth casts, like, in the tar pits. Right, right. And they're basically just like, oh, man, look at them, the mother mammoth as she's looking out at her baby. And, she, in the, and in she, the, they're all going to die. Yeah, but anyway, but, you know, that's <laughs> life. It's real. Yeah. Well... First of all, let me say that La Brea is Spanish for the tar. Mm-hmm. So when you say La Brea tar pits, you're actually saying the tar tar pits. Yeah, it's the pits. It's the total pits. <laughs> there's a museum there now, as you mentioned, and there's been more than three and a half million fossils that have been discovered there. Yeah. And that includes more than 600 species from snakes to mountain lions. Oh, yeah. And they found more than 200,000 individual direwolves in there. Yes, they did. Which and I didn't even know that that was a real thing and not from Game of Thrones. Yeah, fucking direwolves and what's the the fucking mountain lion with the big teeth? <laughs> Sabertooth Saber tiger. Tooth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sabertooth peeps. The theory on why there's so many animals in there is that a, like a large herbivore, like a mammoth, would get stuck in the tar and then predators would see him as easy prey and go after him and then get stuck themselves. Exactly. And so excavations started in the early 1900s and people are still there, as you mentioned, uncovering fossils every day. Mm. Like, it's weird to think about this amazing scientific treasure trove that just lies at the center of this big city where the movies are made. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's wild. It's like, because it, it is in like Miracle Mile, like Park mm-hmm. La Brea, just like a bunch of, there's like hot spots and then you just have the museum and the fucking right. tar pits that you can, because like, and that's what's cool about it too, is you can walk past them for free. And right, you have to like right. pay to get into the the real museum, museum part, part but mm. you can at least walk past and be like what the fuck is yeah it? i know i've driven past it like apparently a lot of the time though visitors to the tar pits museum think that the scientists are actors pretending to excavate and right. the tour guides are like no those are real scientists yeah. just because we're in la doesn't mean everything's fake totally <laughs> i can understand the confusion so most of the fossils that they've found date from eleven thousand years ago to fifty thousand years ago mm-hmm. so there aren't any dinosaurs in there but as the people who work there like to point out birds are dinosaurs and so they do find birds in there so they found dinosaurs one thing we can definitely say is you know it's in it's in well not los angeles per se but it's we found encino man we did find the encino man (laughs) in (laughs) like a driveway gotta do that movie (laughs) yeah the tar is like an amazing method of preservation because while it's a pain in the ass to get the tar off of the bones once you do the bones are in perfect condition right and they can even see like markings on carnivore teeth And so from studying mountain lion teeth, they realized that the mountain lion is the only big cat in the area to survive to this day because it wasn't a picky eater and was able to adapt to changes in its food supply and the other big cats could not. Gotcha. Well, I was even when I said the saber tooth thing, I was like, mountain Mm -hmm. lions with the big teeth. You can easily see that (laughs) that evolution, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. One interesting tidbit on the life finds a way front. Mm -hmm. About 10 years ago, they discovered... 200 species of microorganisms living in the tar with no water, little to no oxygen, and a ton of toxic chemicals. In the tar? Yeah. And they, like a lot of these bacteria had never been seen before. Of course. Classic life finds a way. Classic life finding a way. So with all of these different bones and species, it turns out only one human skeleton has ever been found there. Oh, really? Yep. It was found in 1914 and 
the they believe that it's a 9,000-year-old remains of a 20-something-year-old female that they dubbed La Brea Woman. Only one? Mm-hmm. There were definitely, like, hunting that was happening sure. in the area, but, like, it seems like people, most humans of the past, Could like... sense that it was... Knew dangerous. to stay away yeah. from this place, or maybe that we were able to get each well, other out, or... stench, too, right? Like yeah. Stinky. But, like, at first, with this La Brea Woman, people thought that she was either trapped there, or maybe it was a murder... Mm. But later on, we realized that she had been ceremonially reburied in the tar, possibly with a domesticated dog at her side. Oh, so she was probably just running around. Yeah, I wonder, like, she must have been some kind of important person in that society. Yeah, if they, like, reburied her. Mm -hmm. Huh. So other people who have gone into the tar, in 2013, a police officer willingly dove 17 feet under the surface to hunt for weapons in a cold case murder investigation. What? Yeah. Apparently, he was able oh. to recover a few items of interest, whatever That's that means. That's got to be so uncomfortable and well, he, he in your nose. wearing and... some crazy. Sure, I don't think he was like free diving naked, down. Yeah. No, I think he was wearing but. truly insane stuff, you know, to protection protect himself, yeah. But it also seems like it was kind of like a stunt to tell the criminals of Los Angeles that the LAPD will do what it takes oh, to yeah, find the man. evidence. Rain or shine. Yeah. Tar, not <laughs> tar. Tar, not tar. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tar and feather you. <laughs> there are a few other naturally occurring tar pits like this around the world. Mm-hmm. There's one in Venezuela, but because of the political situation there, it hasn't really been studied. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that these other tar pits are going to be treasure troves of amazing scientific history. Yeah. So let's let's go hunt. Get on it. No, let's do it. <laughs> get on it, Venezuela. <laughs> a lot more tar to go pit. <laughs> I don't know. Science. So I was interested in kind of like the history of people talking about volcanoes or I guess like where they appear in our history. Before the movies. Yeah, exactly. Before (laughs) these brilliant pieces of cinema like Volcano Starring. Dante's Peak. (laughs) At all. So the oldest record of any sort of story or depiction of a volcano goes back at least 37,000 years. This is at a time when Neanderthals had only died out a few millennia beforehand. But it's called the Chevet Pont d'Arc Cave in France. Good for you. That it refers to. I gave it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> and so it has these incredible cave drawings that depict like woolly rhinoceroses, rhinoceri, cave lions, bears, and megaloceros, which is a giant deer species. It's been dubbed the Cave of Forgotten Dreams. It was discovered in 1994. Did you say cave lions? Is that a phrase yeah, I heard? It's, I, wow. That's what it said in this article. I was wow. like, the cave lions? Sure, why not? Of course. But I guess, so a team of researchers took another look at this mysterious spray painting that was partly hidden by some of the megaloceros. And for decades, I guess this spray was assumed to be a cryptic or abstract image. But then researchers began dating the nearby Bas Viveris. I'm not sure how to say that. Volcanic field, which was only 35 kilometers down the road. And one of the ancient eruptions dated to around the time the cave art was painted, and it would have been so dramatic, including like fire fountains and pyroclastic flows and all that shit, that it would have been visible from the cave. So it makes it more than likely that the spray pattern was the earliest depiction of volcanoes. Totally. Totally makes sense, Also, like, something like that happens and you survive it. The idea that you're not going to try to pass that information along would be (laughs) irresponsible. Of course. Well, and at this point, like, you know, I urge you guys to take a look at this. We'll also include images on our Instagram, but some of the drawings are 
like surprisingly sophisticated. So if you're able to kind of tell the difference or, you know, depict the differences between the animal species, you would be like, and then there's this big fucking fiery (laughs) rock over the corner. And sure, it just looks like a pyramid and maybe it looks like a spray. Like, right, right. You know, but that definitely that sounds like a volcano to me. Absolutely. So then moving on, there's did, did you did you happen to see like what did they use as paint or anything like that? If not, it's oh totally cool. no, I didn't. I forget. Was it zircon or something? I, I forget exactly what they used. Ochre, O C H E R. I know there were like there are some like f- ink based fruits and yeah. stuff like that that exist naturally, but I didn't know no, like, what they may be using. I'm glad you asked that. We should include that. I mean, like if we ever do Dante's Peak, it'll be a great thing to look into, <laughs> or anything. Encino Man, it's a great subject. The idea that we would do both Volcano and Dante's Peak is like a ridiculous one, and yet I totally still want (laughs) to do it. We'll see. It looks like ancient people decorated cave walls with like paint made from dirt or charcoal mixed with spit or animal fat. Yeah, I guess the charcoal thing totally makes sense. Right. Just anything you can make a like dark pasty thing. I would think that there would have been a lot of charcoal around after the yeah. volcanic eruption. Oh yeah, so moving on, there's then there's this Mesoamerican temple in the shape of a volcano that can be found within coastal Peru. Mm. And it was apparently first constructed during the late formative period, which is 900 BCE. And this was like the era of metropolises and huge monuments and human sacrifices and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. So apparently this volcano temple was used by multiple cultures for more than a thousand years and even around the 16th century ACE an unknown people built a fire pit in the crater of the pyramid which was likely used to celebrate the close appearance of four total solar eclipses and that was a sign of a happy triumph oh wow yeah Yeah. (laughs) there's a lot of anthropology in this episode you guys (laughs) but this to me was the the most interesting talking about Greek mythology so there's this Greek god called Hephaestus or in Roman mythology his name is Vulcan Vulcan Volcano! Now, Hephaestus was the god of blacksmiths, sculptors, metallurgy, fire, and volcanoes, and he's symbolized with a hammer, an anvil, and a pair of tongs. (laughs) Like, (laughs) make some sweet barbecue? Yeah. Are you the god of volcanoes or BBQ? I don't know. (laughs) Now, according to Homer's The Iliad and The Odyssey, he was the son of Zeus and Hera, and of course, he was later commanded by Zeus to, along with the other gods, create the first woman out of clay, and that was Pandora. But as we know, Pandora opened the box and let all the spirits out, and as for most man-made religions, the woman just fucked it up. So, right, I mean, yeah. that's, I, that's that. I didn't realize that yeah. she was made out of clay. Yeah, I didn't know that she was, that like, was designed like, by the gods out of clay. Right, and what was man made out of? Not clay? Yeah, Just I like, guess they everybody, all the humans were made out of clay. Right. It's in Christianity that oh, it's like okay, the rib okay. and the who's it's and what's it. Because I was just thinking about like, because Adam's right. rib yeah. became Eve. You're crossing your, so your mythology, bro. <laughs> crossing your mythology. So, well, and this kind of leads into the study of voc- volcanology, which mm. is, you know, that's the more scientific approach to studying volcanoes as opposed right. to just depicting it. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is an interesting kind of gap to to step right like yeah. you, the first there's the where the awareness of the thing and then there's the like oh how does it actually work yeah so yeah like according to the united states geological survey which is a division of the department of the interior volcanology is the study of volcanoes specifically the branch of geology that deals with volcanism and the processes involved in magma flow and eruption through a vent in the earth's surface otherwise known as a volcano <laughs> But like, but really, like it all kind of got started after Mount Vesuvius, which was, I believe, seventy nine A.C.E. It says so. I think you mean C.E. I've heard you say A.C.E. A couple. Oh, times. that's what it says in the notes. Weird. After Common Era. I thought it was B.C.E. and C.E. That's huh. like I've only ever. 
Well, because no, 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 I, I, totally. I knew the AD and then the CE, but... Well, there was AD... It used to be BC and AD. Let's see what and AC then the traditional, means. Like, my understanding is, like, the non-secular version is BCE, before the Common Era, and CE, the Common Era. It's a rare variant of CE or AD. Is it, you, it usually stands for After Common Era. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, it's a different way of saying it, but I'll totally. say it however you want me to say it. <laughs> no, it's just, I, that's literally the first time I've ever heard it yeah. termed that way. I Like, I've heard AD and BC, I've heard yeah. BCE and CE, but I'd never heard... Well, we're always, we're, we we invite rare variants yeah. on the show. Rare anyway. variants are allowed. So anyway, whenever Mount Vesuvius erupted, <laughs> that's when yeah. uh, Pompeii and Herculaneum were, were buried. And during the first few hours of the eruption, a man known as Pliny the Elder, who was a renowned Roman natural philosopher, author, and inventor of the encyclopedia, oh. he decided to sail towards the eruption. Okay. <laughs> he wanted to try to rescue friends and family and whatnot. But oh. of course, the sixth and largest pyroclastic surge killed him and thousands of others. Oh, man. So his nephew, Pliny the Younger. <laughs> Not he, the older. <laughs> right. He was really more of a lawyer, but he decided to write an account of the eruption that happened, which is the oldest known scientific account of a volcanic eruption. Right. Jumping forward a lot of time is in 1808, Friedrich Wilhelm Heinrich Alexander von Humboldt, people in the names, he wrote Voyage de Humboldt et Plum. I don't know. And that kind of laid the foundation for geology, meteorology, and volcanology. So, it, I mean, it's just crazy to think that, like, with the individual volcanoes that happened, like, set the impetus for them to be like, we should probably figure this out. Yeah. And this is one that I actually really want to look into in the future. There was this eruption in 1815 on Mount Tambora in Indonesia. Analysts have tried to reconstruct the course of events because the eruption spewed a cloud that reflected sunlight and produced a year without summer in most of the Northern Hemisphere. Man. I also read that it created this massive sulfate dust cloud that fundamentally altered the planet's climate for three years. And it led to a bunch of different stuff, kind of similar to the butterfly effect that we've referred to, where it's like it led to the first worldwide cholera pandemic. Whoa. It like expanded opium markets in China, oh. the U.S.'s first economic depression, and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. There's like arguments as to why this led to that, right? So like this is something that I'm like, fuck, I want to learn specifically about this thing and the kind of the cause of an effect there. Well, I know that like one of the alternate theories of the asteroid impact, which we've talked about before as far as like the dinosaurs extinction, and we believe more than ever that it's an asteroid impact, but one of the alternate theories was a series of super volcanoes that went off and fully changed the inherent makeup of the atmosphere. Yeah, and, it, totally. And yeah, like I was saying earlier, there was that one that had sulfuric acid reach all the way around the earth and wound up cooling the earth just a little bit just a few years ago. Right, And, right. you know, it, it's crazy to me how much of an effect worldwide a single volcano exactly. can have. Pandemics as opposed to just like right. this affected this particular ecosystem. Exactly. Well, and then to think like, so of course the U.S. government saw the need for an agency to like consolidate the earth sciences under one umbrella and mm. that's when they created the U.S. Geological Survey. That was established okay. in, in 1879. But like, Apparently, the study of volcanology was still considered to be kind of in its infancy, even up until when Mount St. Helens erupted in 1980. Right. So this that kind of provided the impetus for, you know, what's brought it to maturity now. So like these days, volcanoes, volcanoes, volcanoes are monitored with seismic devices, which watch for increased seismic activity normally associated with future eruptions. I did want to look into, you know, seismographs and whatnot. I didn't get a chance this time, but... Just to remember back to, I think it was in the episode on tremors. Oh, I yeah. did a thing on seismographs and how what it is, is it's a pen that is suspended 
suspended to stay still. And then the thing that moves is the paper exactly. underneath it by the amount of jiggle that oh, the man. earth is giving. And so like the pen stays still and, and the the rest of it moves. And that's why you get that like right. squiggle, 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 squiggle. I love that because I, I was totally like, I didn't get a chance to look, but we just we learned so much on this show. <laughs> I know. It's, it's so much that we forget a lot of it. I know. Exactly. <laughs> but then there's also like thermal devices that monitor temperature changes in lakes and vents and stuff right, that can right. help predict the eruptions. Gas equipment that look for chemical changes because volcanoes usually produce a high volume of sulfuric gas. This is the way we ask, are you about to erupt? Yeah, like, <laughs> like This volcano, is how we do it. What's going on? <laughs> and then there's also something called the International Association of Volcanology and Chemistry of the Earth's Interior. Yeah. The IAVCEI, <laughs> which especially monitors the so-called decade volcanoes. This is 16 particular volcanoes that are potentially hazardous due to their history of large destructive eruptions and mm-hmm. proximity to populated areas. Among them are... Vesuvius, Santorini, Sacrajima, Rainier. I'm not. I'm not sure if that's how you say that, but heard of Mountain Rainier. Rainier. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, I mean, it's cool that there's at least departments and organizations that are specifically focused on that. But I mean, like, yeah, what the fuck would we do if another Vesuvius happened? Well, you know. I mean, run. people people would be able to like. There wouldn't be obviously the the loss of life and whatnot, but right. it's like the the. It would still get destroyed. Well, I think with Vesuvius in particular, it like exploded and then people saw the ash that was falling on them and they didn't know what it was and they didn't know to leave, but they did have a few days where after the explosion where they could have evacuated Pompeii Mm -hmm. and they just didn't know enough about it that the lava flow was going to come. I mean, yeah, why would you be like, I guess it's dormant now? Whereas by the 70s in Iceland, they were like, oh, this is happening. Everybody leave. We're going to try to dump some seawater. Right. On it. <laughs> totally. Well, and also anybody that's like been to Pompeii and or been to a Pompeii exhibit and mm-hmm. understand that like what the, you see the mom like cradling her baby right. in, her, in her arms preserved by the ash and you're like, nah, you never. <laughs> I'll live ne- not near those. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but then it's this thing of like, don't build your house on the beach because right. it'll get, you know, don't, don't build near an earthquake. Don't live uh, in Los Angeles exactly. when there's a super earthquake coming. <laughs> Fuck. We'll be fine. Yeah. It'll be fine. Did you have any favorite lines? Well, the only line I wrote, so therefore my favorite line (laughs) is, I'm a scientist. Certainty is a big word. Is that yours? Uh, I I wrote that one down, but I also wrote down, there's no history of anything until it happens, and then there is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're right, but fuck off. Because they're like, you know, uh, Tommy Lee Jones is like, what? There can't be a volcano in LA. It's never happened. And then they they had that line to shut him right down. I mean, the thing is, is it's like, it could have been put in a more poignant way because it's not untrue. It's (laughs) like, yeah, there's precedent happened. Like, I get Nothing happens until it happens, and then it happens. It was still cool, though. Like, I, while we were watching it, I was a little bit like, oh man, this is a stinker. But, like, I realized that there's so much about volcanoes I didn't know, but it's like so very cool. Yeah. I mean, fuck. I, I definitely want to look more into the the eruption that changed the world, that 1815 yeah, eruption that yeah. potentially changed, like led to cholera or whatnot. Fuck it. Let's do Dante's Peak. Fucking Dante. <laughs> Okay. Uh, oh, the last final tidbit, though. NASA's latest training ground for life on Mars puts a six-member team in a geodesic dome for the next year on the slopes of Hawaii's Mauna Loa volcano. Oh. One of the decade volcanoes that I was mentioning uh-huh. earlier. And if like it's the kind of circumstances that if they want to go outside, they have to put on spacesuits. Uh-huh. So it's just crazy to think, like, even here on Earth, there's places where they can go to at least, like, 
try to acclimate to life on Mars. Oh, they straight up have to wear the spacesuits when That's they're right. at. Okay. I thought that, because I've heard about like, there's a thing called Desert Rats, uh-huh. which is a NASA project. Rats stands for something, oh, R-A-T-S. Okay. Sure. But they go out into the desert and they basically pretend like they're on Mars mm. and live as though they are in a closed in- ecosystem. But yeah. this sounds like they actually went to a place where they couldn't survive on yeah. Earth alone. Yeah, That's I mean, like, smart. I didn't look into a hell of a lot of it to like to specifically understand why mm-hmm. the climate is is not suitable for that. But yeah, it sounds like it's like. Well, I imagine like w- what we were talking about before with gases yeah. that can get released and stuff like that, where it's like a toxic environment. Totally, Mars is toxic. Right. I'm. I feel like Pliny the Elder would be happy about them he would being be able to just <laughs> in the bed of the volcano. Love that guy. Well, join us all next week. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Rate and review us on iTunes. You can find us at ohthatsathing.com. You can find us at oh, that's a thing on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at It's a Joy Yamiya on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Jeffrey Ekman. And you can find us here next week doing the movie The Running Man. Oh. Get ready. Sorry. Schwarzenegger. We love you. Bye. <laughs> Bye.